0: Well, very thankful today to be joined by James Walker. He is with Nano Nuclear Energy, Inc., and we're going to be talking with him about a new type of nuclear power that uh, may be coming to the state of Illinois. Mr. Walker, thank you so much for your time.
1: Um, very pleased to meet you, Will. Very happy to be here. Thank you.
0: So tell us about yourself. Uh, where are you from and uh, how long have you been involved in the nuclear energy business?
1: So, um, my background is as a nuclear engineer and nuclear physicist. Um, I used to work for the UK government, the Ministry of Defence, um, in the construction of uh, nuclear facilities to produce nuclear reactors for submarines, um, as well as being seconded to Rolls-Royce, where I worked as a physicist in the design of the next generation of nuclear reactors for uh, the next generation of submarines. Um, I was also the UK subject matter expert for nuclear fuel reclamation, and the chief engineer behind um, a chemical plant for nuclear fuel reclamation as well. Um, I I did transition over to North America um, from the UK when the nuclear industry was on the decline and got more involved in um, capital markets, <clears throat> uh, the running of public companies, uh, and that's how I met um, the the nano team. And we began the company together um, so, uh, just uh, just under three years ago now, and. Um, uh, and that's how we got started. Uh, as a bit of background about why we went the nuclear route, we didn't actually start with the intention of going nuclear. It was really an analysis of all the energy options. And so we did examine things like wind. We did examine things like solar. Um, but there wasn't much innovation in that space, and they looked like they had not sufficiently optimized. And for what we wanted to do, the consistency of those forms of power was was not great enough. But in the nuclear space, we realized that SMR microreactors—that that was a very interesting area that we should be we should explore a lot more—and and that really began our journey into this space.
0: Recently, Illinois, after somewhat of a tortured process, adopted some legislation that should open the door for this uh, new what's being called here mini-nukes, that's the way that it's been reported in the news, uh, to perhaps operate here and help provide uh, energy for homes and businesses across the state of Illinois. And I think the the way that I've seen it reported that makes people understand it the, the quickest is this is the same technology that operates nuclear submarines. Is that correct?
1: <clears throat> yep. I mean, the nuclear submarines are effectively a very small reactor. There, there are um, some significant differences in the sense that usually with submarines, they're military vehicles, they have a much higher enrichment level, but effectively it's the same principle. I mean, nuclear is, is always going to be the same principle. Um, uranium gets hot, um, heats up a coolant, coolant um, creates a steam, steam turns a turbine, and, and that's pretty much uh, the basis of most reactors um what uh, what a lot of technologies are exploring now is <clears throat> is options to build um, sort of the same sort of size reactors as those submarine reactors, but with all sorts of um, new sort of exotic technologies that um, are, te- are, are possible now based on technological jumps material science advances um, and it puts nuclear in a very good position to be for the first time in many decades very innovative and provides like very innovative um, Energy solutions.
0: One of the things that people think about when they think about nuclear power, of course, are the big cooling tanks that someone would see out on the horizon, and those types of uh, facilities would often employ a lot of people. But these uh, mini nukes, if they were to be brought online in the state of Illinois, wouldn't really look anything like uh, the operation of what someone thinks about of a nuclear power plant circa 1985.
1: Yes, that's right. So those big traditional civil power reactors, I mean, they are they are enormous. Um, what we're looking at here, especially with, with our company, Nano Nuclear Energy, microreactors, um, our product will actually be able to fit on the back of a truck. So we've, we've designed two different product lines, uh, both micro-reactors, that will be able to fit within an ISO container so they can be moved anywhere in the country. Um, and that can be on the back of a truck, um, a train, even on a big shipping vessel. Just put in with the rest of the containers. So that's the scale we want to get to. Um, that kind of that kind of footprint. Um, effectively, you won't even know these things are there. So, say our, like our business is targeting things like uh, mining operations, remote habitation, disaster relief, military bases, um, char- charging stations, free vehicles, powering data centres. These things would um, sit there. You wouldn't get those enormous cooling towers you see in the distance, um, uh, throwing out enormous amounts of steam. This would be a very small operation, and the, the benefit here is, as well, is that those big civil power plants, nuclear, had a bad reputation for being expensive, and part of the reason for that is that because it had so much upfront capital cost. Um, and, Sometimes up to 70% of the entire cost of that operation would be financing to fund that big capital cost. And the idea with SMRs and microactors is that if you can reduce that capital cost enormously at the front end, then that financing cost goes away, or at least it's significantly reduced, and you get a much cheaper uh, product at the same time as getting something much, much smaller.
0: And so, of course, the question comes up, all right, well, these things are portable and this sounds like a really good idea, but is there any reason why somebody living within a mile of a mini-nuclear facility would need to be worried for their safety? You know, people see things like the uh, Fujiyama uh, reactor in Japan. I may have not pronounced the name of that community correct uh, Correct me if I need to be, but there are three-mile island. Are, there, there, are those same concerns uh, applicable here?
1: I, I do think nuclear suffers from the worst PR, if any, form of energy. For, so, for instance, with both Fukushima and Three Mile Island, there were no deaths in either scenario. Like, you know, if, you t- if you look at actually the safest form of energy, and you look at that and say deaths per gigawatt hour generated, nuclear beats out everything. And I'm saying, you know, that beats out solar, that beats out wind. It's actually the safest form of energy we've ever devised and that's the big civil power reactors. Now if you take the big civil power reactors and you start reducing them even smaller, they get even safer. So an SMR is an order of magnitude safer than that big civil power reactor, making it the safest form of energy in the world again. And then if you get a (coughs) micro-reactor, you're simplifying the technology even further. So you're you're getting even safer. That's fewer working parts, fewer things that can go wrong. It it becomes really, it's it's not gonna be an option of um, a question of safety. Um, and these things are very heavily regulated, and there's a lot of insight that the regulators have into the way these things operate. Um, and maybe that's a contribution to why it's the safest form of energy in the world. Um, but that that historic safety has always been there. I think I think nuclear companies such as ours do need to a better, do a better job at communicating to the public just how beneficial and how safe nuclear actually is, because it, it does suffer from that reputation and. Um, it might partly be a consequence of nuclear always being tied to the government, which never really, as a you know, it's not a private company, so it does not need to care about its image, and that does need to change for widespread acceptance. Because there is still that sort of instinctive reaction against nuclear that is is incorrect, but it should be easy to remedy. And I I do see, especially in the states, public support for nuclear increasing very very fast. Um, I I think it's something got less like eighty uh, percent buy-in from the American public.
0: one thing that I think is interesting to point out, even though the uh, Illinois Senate approved a plan to allow these uh, new nuclear technology uh, to come into the state, uh, it's still going to be quite some time if what I understand from the news reports is right, where we would actually see these sorts of um, nanonuclear Technology implemented in the state of Illinois. Is that right?
1: <clears throat> yes. For for our type of reactor, for a micro-reactor, we're really aiming to deploy these things in about 2030. Now, there is an opportunity for Illinois to utilize nuclear energy much sooner. So the SMR business, the small modular reactor, which is a, a larger product than what we're going to produce, um, there are licensed SMRs that have just come out um, that could be deployed a lot faster. I think one one problem that the state has had is that a lot of its nuclear industry atrophied, and that was because it was becoming very reliant on buying um, uh, weapons grade material from Russia, and it would take that material and it would downblend it to meet its domestic needs. Um, obviously, that supply chain has now been cut up, and so the infrastructure does need to be built up in order to facilitate um, a sort of the nuclear renaissance, which is currently ongoing now that is happening very quickly and the the doe and um all the national laboratories and even the government are pushing a lot of money into nuclear now so in terms of investment it's really the, the good place to go the, the the government has come to the conclusion this is the solution we need we didn't have the success that we were hoping for with wind and solar replacing a lot of the fossil um the fossil fuel technologies this they know this will work and that's why there's been so much government support coming out for this, and that, that's there's hundreds of millions of dollars now being put up to rebuild the U.S. nuclear infrastructure, so that things like SMRs can deploy to Illinois um, within the next few years um, without without much difficulty and deploy safely and produce a lot of energy for the state.
0: We're visiting today with Mr. Walker from Nano Nuclear Energy Inc. talking about these new uh, micro nuke technology they're similar to the technology used on uh, nuclear submarines that could potentially heat Illinois homes and businesses now I know that everyone has seen the millions and billions of dollars that governments have poured into wind and solar in order to subsidize uh, that technology to move away from fossil fuels and so I wonder Uh, Are groups like yourselves, companies like yourselves, getting pushback from people that are in the wind and solar business? Because I can't help but think that it would be easier to have, I'm going to just make up a number here, a hundred of these micro nukes in the state of Illinois powering the various power grids than it would to have uh, tens of thousands of acres of solar panels and wind technology. Um, I don't know what question to ask, but after that statement, do you have any thoughts?
1: Yeah, so it's it's interesting because the the problem with wind and solar and, and, and renewables generally is that um, the capacity factors are very low. And what I mean by capacity factors is consistency. So they usually are typically assigned a percentage. So I think for solar, you're looking at about a 15% capacity factor or consistency, and for wind, that's about 25%. For nuclear, that's over ninety. That is the highest capacity factor of anything. That beats out coal. That beats out gas. Um, that for that reason, you cannot actually replace big grid energy with renewables. Like you, you just cannot do it without risking enormous consequences from shutdowns. And you know, if you want to power things like hospitals or homes, you could that could result in enormous amounts of deaths. And so there does need to be a consistent form of energy solution if you're looking to decarbonize your grid. And unfortunately, nuclear is the only solution there, and which is why governments are moving in that direction. And there, there have been other complications that have factored into the um, uh, renewables, such as wind and solar. So the sun doesn't always shine, and the wind doesn't always blow. so you do need very expensive and extensive storage facilities. The problem with storage is that's enormously expensive. And there are losses either side. So when you take wind and you put that energy into storage, you have enormous amount of energy losses. And then you take it back out of storage and you have another enormous amount of losses. The the amount of land that can be required and the amount of cost that can go into these storage facilities can actually result in a um, a net uh, carbon increase. Um, And so that's why, actually, if you look at... um, uh, carbon-free technology, which is the least pro- least amount producing, um, then nuclear wins on that front too. And it's it's basically we've I think as a almost as a species, almost humanity, has tried to explore every option it has available to it, and it's come back to nuclear because it's always been consistent, it's always been reliable. And if we put the infrastructure back in place, it could be up there with the cheapest, and it can beat out these things with a much for with a much smaller footprint as well, because some of the land that could be required for wind and solar, it's not just the amount of energy you need to generate. You might need to build three or four times that uh, land mass to make up for that small capacity factor that those sort of energy forms have. And and that's why eventually we've come around to the conclusion, we're seeing that across the world, of countries gradually moving away from uh, wind and solar back into nuclear. And other countries that have never even uh, explored nuclear before are now getting into it. We see that in Indonesia or Thailand or all those sort of countries, too. They're, be, they're coming to the conclusion that this is their solution to their energy needs to move away from carbon-emitting uh, energies.
0: All right. Um, so two more questions for you before we let you go today. What is the lifespan, typically, of a average size, whatever that is, uh, nuclear plant?
1: that will vary from um, company to company. So, but I can speak specifically for our reactors. Um, they are very, very small, but they should operate without needing any refueling for 10 to 15 years. And so the advantage here for any, any industrial partner that we align with is that they need energy, we'll put something down there, um, we will very likely not even sell them the reactor, we'll just lease them the energy and they'll have 10 to 15 years of consistent output. Um, at, high, at, at high consistency um, for the duration of that time. And the good part is that even when we finish, the liability is not theirs. We'll remove the fuel, we'll remove the reactor, um, and then we can just replace it straight away. So one reactor, um, well over a decade, but then the advantage there is that we we use hardly any footprint at all, so we can just bring in a second one and put it right down, and then that thing can be, be up and powering within a month.
0: And my last question is, uh, I scheduled this interview through a agency, which is very common, um, but why is it important that uh, people like yourself, Mr. James Walker from Nanonuclear Energy, Inc., are out here talking uh, to the general public about this technology?
1: Oh, there's, there's definitely momentum in the nuclear space at the moment, and I think it's very important for um, people like me and people in our industry to communicate all the benefits of nuclear. Um, public support is always important to the success of anything. Um, it's important to know how safe it is, how consistent it is, how we can really get the costs down over time. Um, even if these things deploy initially and they're expensive, that cost will come down dramatically. Um, these kinds of interviews are very important for that public communication, but also for the for the benefits of our own company. Um... We, we will be looking to grow and expand. We will be looking to access as many markets as we can. And um, the promotion of our, our company and the promotion of nuclear is, is going to be in our long-term interests. Um, and when we do believe those interests align with the interests of the country. And, and so it's important that these, these sort of interviews do take place and people do listen to them. And we're able to combat some of the skepticism that is really ingrained in, in, in associated with nuclear.
0: Thank you so much for your time, and I hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you very much, Will.